The Truth News Network. Remember when the news was pure fact? You do? Well, I have bad news for you. It wasn't. Never was. But the difference between what you remember and what you're seeing now is that the purveyors of the news now don't care that you see their bias. Well, we're biased too. We have a hard, relentless leaning toward the truth. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And your anchor today and every day is Dan Newman. And is the bias ever growing? Oh my God. It's unbelievable. We have so many things to share with you and talk about today. In our second hour, Steve Baker joins us. You don't want to miss that. So get set. It's going to be a big one. originally, and that's Sergio Mendez in Brazil 66. Remember them? They got their name, Brazil 66, because they got together in 1966. 
and it's a great sound. In fact, they're still out there doing stuff. Of course, they changed the name because they've had to upgrade a little bit because of the date. They're all way, 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 way much older. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. Big night last night. You know, there were a lot of things that we'll be talking about, news media have been talking about since last night, about the Iowa caucuses and what that means to our election process and all of the prognosticators get out there. And now, here's what's going to happen. We're not going to spend a lot of time on the outcome of the Iowa caucuses last night, but we do need to look at a few things just to kind of figure out what happened and what it meant. So I get accused often of just going to the conservative side and things that we share here. And many times that's what I do because I'm a conservative guy. But I always like to peek in and see what the folks on the other side are thinking about the same stories that we're talking about. Like, uh, for instance, the aftermath of the election stuff with NBC, NBC News. I'm sure you'll, you'll agree. They're on the other side of this. We want to turn to Kristen Welker, moderator of Meet the Press, and Steve Kornacki, our national political correspondent. We love the duo so much. Yesterday, we're back for more. Okay, not a lot of suspense at the top of the ticket. Show us how big a blowout this was, though, for the former president. Yeah, a couple ways to look at it. I mean, first of all, the 51% that Donald Trump ends up with, that is a record in the Iowa caucuses. The previous best was 41%. And the margin here, it's basically 30 points. Trump to DeSantis, the previous best was 12 points. So he substantially improved on what we've seen historically. Look, Trump improved, obviously, across the board. The biggest improvement, evangelical voters. He lost them double digits in 2016. He swamped DeSantis and Haley among them. The one interesting nugget here, I think, look, 99 counties in Iowa. You see that Trump read all over this. There's one county that Trump didn't win. And I want to show you how close Trump came to go in 99 for 99. Check this out. One vote. Wow. One vote in Johnson County, and if it had flipped, Donald Trump would have won there, and he would have gone 99 for 99. You know, what's so fascinating about this is if you look a long, long time ago, one year, Trump had a lot more seeming political vulnerability. It looked like some Republicans were looking for an alternative. What a difference a year makes. They definitely were, and it's easy to forget this, but call this up. This is a line graph of the support for the candidates going back to the start of 2023. And you remember at the start of 23, Republicans had that bad midterm. The Trump-aligned candidates cost them key uh, races. You had Ron DeSantis in some cases within 10 points of Trump nationally. That's why all these candidates emerged. They thought Republicans were moving on. Here's where it diverged. Trump's line went up. DeSantis's went down. Do you know what happened that week? That week, first week of March 2023, Trump was indicted for the first time in New York on the Stormy Daniels matter. It clearly brought a rally around Trump effect to Republicans. Four indictments and the trajectory goes up and maybe that's why we see him in courtrooms as much as the campaign trail. It's working yeah. for him. Kristen, let's talk about this race. Let's talk about uh, DeSantis and Haley. Both are saying they got tickets out of Iowa. Haley's <laughs> saying it's a two-person race now. I think DeSantis might disagree. How? What is their, their path, if there is one at all? We're talking about very narrow paths here, if at all. For Nikki Haley, it was going to go through New Hampshire. You're absolutely right. That second, third place finish, tight as a tick, Savannah, but Nikki Haley's trying to say, look, this is a victory, but she's been deprived of that momentum that she was looking for. Even when she gets to New Hampshire, who are her supporters there? 
moderates, independents, that's not necessarily a winning coalition to win the nomination. Because as Steve just laid out, look at who put Trump in the winner slot in Iowa. In terms of Ron DeSantis, yes, he's stopping in South Carolina. But Savannah, it's not clear that he can win South Carolina or New Hampshire because guess who has the lead there? Donald Trump. Yes, Nikki Haley's within striking distance of Trump in New Hampshire. Her very narrow path just got narrower, and it's still not clear where Ron DeSantis goes from here. The map doesn't get better for either one no. of them as the, as the primaries go forward. Let's talk about Trump and his messaging last night because he was quite magnanimous. Yes. Seemed to be wanting to say kumbaya. It's time to put down our swords and get together and rally around. This thing's done. That may have been the one word he didn't use, kumbaya, because he was basically praising his rivals. When was the last time we heard that? He dropped his nicknames for them. He said it's time for this country to come together. His tone may have been the other big headline that came out of that big Trump win last night. So here's what to watch for. Watch for Republicans to start to consolidate more around him. We saw that in the days leading up to Iowa. Doug Burgum, for example, Marco Rubio have endorsed him. Expect to see a whole lot more of that, obviously, Vivek Ramaswamy as well. And then, as we've been saying, he's going to be back in court today because he thinks that is an effective way at campaigning, rallying Republican voters around him. All right, Kristen and Steve, thank you. Grab a nap. you got to admit that that report from NBC News was pretty uh, right down the middle. It was, they gave their opinions, of course, but I wanted you to hear that, especially that little segment in the beginning of it. I couldn't believe that NBC would even report this. There are 99 counties, 99 in Iowa. That's a bunch of counties in any state. And Donald Trump won 98 of those 99 counties. Now, don't tell me there are not left-leaning people in Iowa. And then they looked up the voting margin for that particular county, the 99th county, the only one that Trump didn't win. And the margin of his loss in the county in numbers of vote was one. He would have swept 99 counties. He lost sweeping by one vote. That's pretty unusual. Now, everybody knows Iowa is a very conservative state. A lot of agricultural stuff up there. And they've never really been fond of most of the Democrats that have come through there in the Iowa caucuses. The last one that really, really did well, believe it or not, was Barack Obama. He swept Iowa in Obama's second term. So you're going to hear a lot of pontification by all the news outlets today, and they're going to be all over the place. And you know why? Listen to this. Don't feel like you've got to listen closely or read and dig in and find out. I want you to always check things out for yourself. But what's happening now is the mainstream media, they are lathering to get Trump on the campaign trail. Because they're going to go after him like you never have seen any news agency go after any Republican. They're shaky. They're very afraid of what might happen. They, just like every Democrat, they can't even think about Donald Trump being back in the White House. Normally you would say, oh gosh, he's so controversial. 
They would love to have that. They could talk incessantly about him. Here's what they're finding out, and Iowa opened the door for this thought process for all of the leftist media folks. The American people have opened their eyes, and now they see the difference between the crazy man, the orange man, and their president, Joe Biden. And who else is out there that's going to step forward now and run on the Democratic ticket and make things better for them? They don't have that. It would take a very shocking upstart candidate that could go through all the hurdles that are there now. You know, there are dates. There are dates that you have to file to run for president. And those dates are over. There would have to be some amazing things that happen that would allow the Democrats to push somebody up ahead of Joe Biden. I personally think, and I've said this for months, in fact, more than two years, Joe Biden will not be the Democrat president on the 2024 Democrat ballot. I don't think it will happen. I don't think it can happen. So this morning, remember, Steve Baker joins us in our second hour. He's got a lot to share with you today. Between now and then, I want to do just a couple of more little things about the outcome and what's going to happen now in the presidential race now that the uh, Iowa caucuses are over. They're all already up in New Hampshire for part two of this. But for Joe Biden, this marks the end, in my opinion, of the Biden presidency. Did the weather push Nikki Haley to third, or did she just come in third on her own without help from Mother Nature? Well, I think what the weather really showed was that we had 100,000 Iowans that were willing to brave the bitter cold, brave snowy conditions, and really get out to vote. And that shows huge enthusiasm on the Republican side. And it really shows that last night marked the beginning of the end of Joe Biden's presidency, the official start to this election season, with this election season going to be ending with Joe Biden losing in November. Well, now we go from Iowa to New Hampshire. All eyes are on the Granite State. And one of the big differences there is that independents can go to the their polling location and they can vote in the primary. Some people say that that's going to help Nikki Haley. And the latest poll number uh, poll numbers show just her seven points behind Donald Trump, which is a relatively small margin considering what he was polling in New Hampshire and some national or Iowa and some new, uh, national polls as well. So what do you think? Do you think that she'll pick up momentum in New Hampshire? I think ultimately each of these candidates is going to make that case to make that happen. They each have their own story in terms of what they believe is going to be happening or what their path to victory is. I think Republican voters are incredibly interested in picking the best nominee to beat Joe Biden. That's where our focus is at the RNC, to beat Joe Biden in November and to make sure our future Republican nominee is in the best position to do that as soon as they are the Republican nominee, to take it to Joe Biden for all of us to come together and really win in November. In addition to talking ad nauseum about the weather, we talked ad nauseum about how important second place was. With the caveat, I think we can make this morning that Donald Trump basically won by 30 points, which is a whopping number. But here's Kellyanne Conway talking about who turned out to be the second place finisher, Ron DeSantis, and basically him doing the full Grassley a lot. Listen. What was the purpose of this exercise? if you're Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, but particularly DeSantis. I think he's been a great governor of Florida, but
but he's basically been a resident of Iowa. They put everything here. His campaign and super PAC have spent nine figures. I don't think he'll dominate in any one big group. It shows you that the people who didn't run this time, a lot of senators, people like Mike Pompeo, did the wise thing because you can be there supporting the party, helping these down-ballot candidates, helping the eventual nominee, and wait until 2028. So, Tommy, what does Ron DeSantis do going forward? Because you heard in Alexis McAdams' piece, Ron DeSantis is at 5% in New Hampshire. That's low. Well, I think ultimately each of those candidates is going to make their own decision about how long they stay in, whether they stay in, what exactly they're going to do with their campaigns. I think what Iowa showed was the dedication of Republicans to Iowa. And that is such a contrast from Democrats who ran from the state as fast as they possibly could, just like they're running for voters all around the country. These Republican candidates are showing up around the country, listening to voters, hearing what voters have to say. Democrats and Joe Biden are hiding as much as possible, ignoring voters, going on vacation. And that contrast, I think, that is going to carry through into the general election season, is going to carry through this entire process. And like I said earlier, it's going to end in November with a Republican being elected to the White House. All right, Tommy Pickett, live for us. Thank you so much. We appreciate your analysis and insight. So guess what? With those two sound bites from different agencies, news agencies, in the aftermath of the Iowa caucuses, I think it's safe to say we're done talking about Iowa here at TNN Live. It's time to move on. And there's not much we can say until we get closer to the New Hampshire. Yeah, it's really a, uh, it's a primary, isn't it? Or is it a caucus? I don't know. One of the two, that's going to be the next thing. I'm not going to beat a dead horse between now and then. It's an election season. Most of us don't really like election seasons. It means change. And sometimes, listen to what I'm about to say. Sometimes we get so frustrated with the process that goes on and on and on and is always caustic, people hating on each other trying to push somebody down. We get sick of that. And we need a change. Everybody knows that. We're going to have to have a change at the top, at the White House. It's got to happen. We can't sustain another four years of Joe Biden or even any other Democrat that comes around and is going to continue the Democrat Party mantra, which is pushing us ever closer to a world government of some type, even if it's a bunch of country leaders get together and agree to govern the same way. We don't need that. And any Democrat, look at them out there. Look at who's out there. We don't have much to pick from, and those that are out there would not have a hint of a chance if they got in this race unless they came up with something really big really, really big. And that's what we're going to talk about next. Yesterday, I spent a lot of time, I've been mulling over many things in our society, in our country, and things around the world, trying to put in perspective, what does all this mean? And I can't tell you, it would be stupid for me to say that I know what's going on. I don't. I'm just like you. I'm a thinker. I work in this world. And therefore, I think I have a little more time to spend analyzing things that are important to us all. And I, I'm, I'm a, because I'm a thinker, 
when I come up with something that I think may be a probability, I start digging, looking for information. I found something buried in the news media yesterday, and it scared me to death. And so I really started digging, kept digging, looking, asking questions, going and finding answers. And we published a story this morning at truthnewsnet.org. I don't want you to leave the show. You can go back later and read the, the story. The title of it is, Do You Wonder Why Democrats and Media Sycophants Keep Screaming That Trump Will Destroy Our Democracy? We touched on that a little bit the other day. You heard, heard from uh, that redneck conservative, Buddy, And in fact, we played a little bit of Buddy's analysis of the difference between a democracy and a republic for you last week. That short video is embedded in the middle of this story because it has parts of it that reach out and deal with what I'm about to tell you. There is something planned, something planned, coordinated, a plan put together that locks all of the very important Democrats in our government and even outside of our government. It's an unbelievable power play that they are carefully working and getting set for what they're going to do just in case Donald Trump wins the 2024 election. And it came out yesterday. You're going to hear that next. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids, only at Carl's Jr. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I'm not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Jesus. Supermodels. What are you model? Gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. 
Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. In a chainsaw. Yes, it's Tuesday, and Tuesday at TNN Live every week, we have our guests, we'll call him our partner investigative journalist. He joins us every Tuesday in our second hour. Steve Baker will be here in about 35 minutes, and we have many things to talk about. He is deep into new things going on. In fact, right now, he is over at the Blaze Network uh, in Fort Worth, Dallas, over there in that area, Dallas-Fort Worth. And um, he's going to bring us some new information and new things. But between now and then, we've got several things we want to talk about. I'm tired of hearing everybody say Donald Trump is going to destroy our country. He's going to tear apart all of the legal structure of the company. He's going to become a dictator. He's going to destroy our democracy. And I've been warning you for weeks now, There's something in the incessant, coordinated conversations that we're hearing from everybody on the left, the warnings about Donald Trump. They're claiming he's going to use federal resources to go after anybody that's gone after him. Two impeachments, bunches of indictments containing little truth of any, personal attacks and speeches, public statements by our president, and they all contain identical allegations. Trump, if we don't stop him, is going to steal our democracy. He's going to become a dictator, take over our military, throw his enemies in jail. Trump hasn't shown any indication that shows any of their allegations could be true. But isn't it ironic these things that they allege about the former president's future plan sound exactly like what they are doing to him in the past, and they're doing it again. I guess their future plans that have been exposed about their intentions if he's elected again, or simply just part two of their Get the Orange Man textbook, and they wrote the textbook. Part one, we we watched it play out. Vivid color in this first term and after. Remember Russia collusion? the myriad DOJ persecutions of Trump, members of his family and his friends. Then there were those nonstop stories by the mainstream media full of horrible revelations about all of Trump's wrongdoing, each that came from that very mysterious brain surgeon, Source. You remember that Source? His name was Mr. Anonymous. That entire process as it played out, remember, we didn't know anything politically about Donald Trump. When he ran, he wasn't a politician. All we knew was he was a multi-billionaire builder. When they started all this stuff, it scared half of Americans to death. The other half was made up of Democrats who signed on to the hate Trump mantra. They believed everything the mainstream media vomited across all their news outlets. While those four years of Trump being president, his failed attempt for a second term, and the new persecution of Trump, who is now private citizen, uh, 
have awakened Americans. The mega MAGA insurrectionists are almost every day seeing their support of Trump was justified because of the great results for Trump. Look what had happened last night in Iowa. He got 52% of those that voted in that caucus, 52%. Those Trump results still proved to be what he promised until their cancellation by Biden and the total failure of every one of Biden's actions, which are exposing how inept Biden is. And the scariest thing for the leftists, Donald Trump fulfilled his promises, and they helped every American. That's embedded in the minds of tens of millions of Americans that are withering away. Their money's gone, savings gone. They're living on credit cards because of Joe Biden. If you remember in Friday's show, I illustrated how the continuous course from the left warning the nation of Trump's intentions if he is reelected, that proves they have coordinated plans to use if the 2024 election puts Joe back in office. Excuse me, it's not going to happen. It's if Donald Trump is elected again. They understand that to do this, they got to prove to us all his first actions, if elected, will be to destroy our democracy. Now, most folks, they don't think much about it other than just to simply think, we can't allow anybody who wants to destroy our democracy to be elected. If big media alleges Trump wants that, then it's got to be true, right? I'll point you to today's story. Don't go now, but go to the homepage today, truthnewsnet.org, and there's a story that I told you about. The title of it is Wonder Why Democrats and Media Sycophants Keep Screaming That Trump Will Destroy Our Democracy. Halfway down, there's that YouTube video of Buddy, and he gives us what the differences are in a democracy and a representative republic. Because we don't live in a democracy. We don't. And he explains what the differences are. So let's let's just move forward. Late Monday evening, last night, Breitbart News revealed even more confirmation where Democrats are in their thinking regarding Donald Trump and maybe try to understand why they keep saying he's going to destroy our democracy. So instead of writing more of my opinions on the matter, Breitbart published a blockbuster revelation that confirms all of this, even details how evil are their plans and those they have already put in place. Breitbart stories titled Establishment Plots Military Coup Against Donald Trump If He's Reelected. You're not going to believe this. The establishment is in the very beginning stages of plotting what appears to be a real military coup against Donald Trump if voters reelect him as president. 
This plot of theirs highlights the extent to which the establishment fears Trump potential return to power. If Trump wins re-election, he vowed, remember this, he's going to deconstruct the administrative state. Now, what is the administrative state? It's the apparatus of unelected bureaucrats who create binding rules with, without, or even against the law. Bracing for Trump's victory amid the positive polling, the coup would appear under the guise of Trump allegedly converting the nonpartisan U.S. military into the muscular arm of his political agenda. And that claim came in NBC News on this past Sunday. The establishment folks, they worry. There'd be nothing stopping a president from mobilizing the military to intervene in elections, police American streets, or quash domestic protest, and that the military's role is unique in that soldiers and sailors are trained to obey the commander-in-chief, but they're not told to follow illegal orders. The establishment's reported coup. Here's what it includes. You're going to go crazy when you're not give you this. Legal action against Trump. We've seen a little bit of that, haven't we? And quietly devising plans to try to foil any efforts to expand presidential power, which could include pressuring the military to cater to his political wants. We're already starting to put together a team to think through the most damaging types of things that Trump might do so that we're ready to bring lawsuits if we have to. That's a quote from Mary McCord, executive director of the Institution for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection, and she's at Georgetown Law. She said that this weekend on NBC News. He's going to be one creative mother, you know, when it comes to trying to figure out how to abuse power. Whatever your guess is, open up your imagination a little more. That's from Representative Adam Smith, Democrat from Washington, speaking on NBC News. He's a clear and present danger to our democracy. That's from William Cohen. You remember that name? He's a former Republican senator from Maine, and he was defense secretary in the Clinton administration. Cohen said his support, talking about Trump, is solid, and I don't think people understand what living in a dictatorship would mean. A bunch of Republicans are highly critical of this quote-unquote plot suggesting it would be an unconstitutional coup against the president. NBC reports the left is plotting ways to have the military not be under civilian control. That came from Molly Hemingway at Fox News. She's one of my favorite people, and she posted that on X. She said NBC is framing this dangerous and unconstitutional usurpation of power as good because it will undermine Trump if Americans freely and fairly elect him. That's Molly Hemingway. Sean Davis, who's the CEO of The Federalist, he said Democrats will justify immoral acts against Trump 
to preserve their power. Whenever Democrats accuse Trump of doing something, you can guarantee this. We tell this to you, and we speak about it all the time. If they blame Donald Trump for something, you can bet Democrats are planning to do that very thing against Trump, which means Democrats are preparing to use the military to steal the 2024 election and prevent their opponents from lawfully taking power. Far leftist organizations, a bunch of law firms, federal agency bureaucrats, and establishment lawmakers comprise the administrative state. Think about how powerful that group is. Trump refers to the administrative state as the swamp and the deep state. The administrative state uses its rulemaking ability to usurp the separation of powers between the three branches of government, and they do it by creating a so-called fourth branch of government that's not mentioned, let alone created by the Constitution. Trump said, we will demolish the deep state. And he said that at a Michigan rally in June. We will expel the warmongers from our government. We will drive out the globalists. We will cast out the communists, Marxists, and fascists. And we'll throw off the sick political class that hates our country, he added. So knowing this has been in the offing as long as they, that's the left, begin mouthing that Trump wants to destroy democracy. Isn't it obvious what the plan is for a second win by Trump in the White House? It's too obvious to ignore now. We need to wake up and start watching and listening, opening our ears. With this plan's revelation, and this didn't come from me, but now it's out there. It's exposed. Many answers conservatives have been looking for suddenly showed up. Why has Biden so often ignored the rule of law, especially the multiple federal laws that regulate the process of handling illegal immigration? We can't figure it out. We start guessing. They're not even trying to hide this, folks. It's in our eyes. A U.S. leader who ignores U.S. law seems to be nothing more than an authoritarian who doesn't give a rip about the law. Sound a little familiar to you there? We could spend an hour listing the specific things this administration has done with no authority for it and how and why they're doing it. They don't even try to hide it anymore. Imagine if Donald Trump or any other Republican president did any of these same things. What about Biden's two cancellations of student debt? The second one's in the offing, and he's bragging about it. Both of those are in direct opposition to what the U.S. Supreme Court ruled could and couldn't happen. They said specifically, no president can cancel that debt. It has to come from Congress. And Biden got up over the weekend bragging about, they stopped me before, but I don't care. I'm going to do it again. According to the court, only Congress can take that action. Seems to me 
That's just one such example of Biden's ignoring the highest court in the U.S. to force something autocratically down the throats of the American people. That's exactly what's going on right now. Remember I told you when they start screaming and hollering about specific anti-Trump things, you can bet they're the ones that are planning to use those against Trump. They're just continuing down the governing road they use in which they take actions on issues that their actions often violate laws like illegal immigration, spending taxpayer money, bypassing Congress. By normalizing these and other actions, they know when these actions happen again, they can argue, they can argue this. Former President Biden did those very things, doing those and other similar actions set a constitutional precedent. And they can sell that to the American people, or at least the half of their brain-dead followers. Remember this. The left seldom says or does anything without having an overarching political purpose. One can bet there's always a political cause at stake in what they do or try to do. So why does no one ever try to stop them? This is scary. There are sometimes or challenges to this presence, authoritarian or even dictatorish actions. But the lower federal courts, they're stacked with Biden and Obama nominees. We're talking about in Washington, D.C., circuit and appeals courts there. Quid pro Joe never let someone he's done a favor for forget they are obligated. At some point, you can bet Joe will remind those appointed judges about their obligations to him and the Democrat parties. Why do you think the left stream media always cover for Joe Biden or any other Democrat? Quid pro quo. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That philosophy, it's all around you and me. We see it now every day. We sit and scratch our heads wondering where it came from and what it's all about. This is it, folks. It right now is running our nation already. And according to the Breitbart story above, militants in the Democrat Party are preparing to get rid of Donald Trump if he happens to get elected this year. No matter what it it, it costs, no matter what it takes. I'm telling you, folks, it is very obvious. You heard a few weeks ago, it scared me to death when I heard it. It was a coordinated plan to put out in the media to millions of people, hey, wouldn't it be something if some patriotic person took Donald Trump out. They said that over and over again. And the reference they used was a little story about wouldn't it have been something if one loyal German patriot had decided to take Adolf Hitler out. They said that. Multiple news agencies. Why would they say all this? What are their plans? It's really an attack 
to destroy Democratic U.S. constitutional voting laws to put their party in perpetual political power going forward across the board. Now, what you just heard, my opinion's not anywhere in there. It's happening. It's happening as we're listening to this today. It's pretty darn scary, isn't it? Don't forget, we're 15 minutes away from Steve Baker joining us live. I never know or seldom know where he's calling in from. I'm pretty sure he's in Dallas-Fort Worth. Between now and then, we've got a few more nuggets we need to throw out there for you. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy. A wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Yeah, yeah we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle? Snuggle. out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Dan Newman. I really don't think Democrats want to go down the road they are prepared to go down. I'm talking about military action. Can you picture Army, Marines in our city streets going after people that are of different political ilk than their leaders? We never think about seeing that. That's stuff that happens overseas, in Europe, in Africa. We don't see that in the United States. I think they really don't want to go down that road. Well, they only have two choices, to keep the government, they consider our government theirs, you know that, and they want to keep it. Two ways to go. 
military action would be the second way. The first way is to do it through elections. And so you and I both know, we all know how expensive it is to run for office today. And so the alternative to the military thing is to raise a bunch of money. Well, the Biden-Harris re-election effort, I promise you, it's not running out of cash anytime soon. They told us yesterday when party organizers boasted they have already $117 million on hand. $117 million bucks. That makes the largest sum for any Democrat candidate in history at this point in a presidential race. The president and vice president's 2024 campaign team, they said it raised more than $97 million in the fourth quarter of last year. Total includes fundraising efforts by the campaign, joint fundraising committees, and the Democrat National Committee. That report sets it out. In the third quarter, the Biden-Harris campaign announced it had raised more than $71 million, had nearly $91 million in cash on hand. The team raised more than $72 million in the second quarter with $77 million in cash. The Biden campaign stressed grassroots fundraising efforts in the fourth quarter contributed to the hall. They applauded the historic achievement. This historic hall, proudly powered by strong and growing grassroots enthusiasm, sends a clear message. I threw up a little bit in my mouth when I said strong and growing grassroots enthusiasm. They ain't got any of that. Their message, though, the Team Biden-Harris coalition knows the stakes of this election and is ready to win this November the Democrat Party. They don't have a plan B if Joe does not run for re-election for any reason. So they're desperate. That amount they are claiming, it represents the sum total of four entities. Biden's campaign, two joint fundraising committees, and the DNC. They said 97% of donations in the fourth quarter were less than $200 for an average of $41.88. Since they launched their campaign, AIDS said almost 1 million supporters have given money for more than 2.3 million total contributions. Former President Trump, Biden's increasingly likely rival in the race for president, hasn't yet announced how much he raised throughout the last quarter. They got a lot of money. And they're not just talking about winning. They're committed to do whatever it takes to win. And they have an after plan if they don't win. They're going to take charge. That's what their mindset is. Whatever it takes, they're going to do it to win and stay empowered. Now, that's not the stuff we've talked about. That's not the only card in their hand that is a winning card. Guess what is on the horizon right now? You remember this? The coronavirus vaccine in Europe saved at least 1.4 million lives. 
That's what the WHO, the World Health Organization, are claiming. And they made another warning for us. Not just the world, but specifically the United States and Europe. The WHO European region, now that covers 53 countries that include those of Central Asia. They have registered more than 277.7 million cases of coronavirus and more than 2.2 million deaths. That's according to the organization's most recent data, which was from December 19th, 2023. Today, there are 1.4 million people in our region, most of them elderly, who are around to enjoy life with their loved ones because they took the vital decision to be vaccinated against COVID-19. That's from Hans Kluge, who happens to be the WHO Europe Regional Director. Kluge said it's essential for people to protect themselves, especially those most vulnerable during the winter. He said, as we learn to live with COVID-19 and other respiratory viruses, it's absolutely vital for vulnerable populations to stay up to date with their COVID-19 and influenza vaccinations as recommended. Europe must continue to invest in its healthcare systems, echoing a call for further finance made by WHO Director General Tedros and I can't even pronounce his last name. I'm not going to try. We may be unprepared for anything out of the ordinary, such as the emergence of a new, more severe COVID-19 variant or a yet unknown pathogen. He called for more funding to resolve shortages of healthcare workers and basic medication. I'm deeply concerned that health is slipping from the political agenda and that we are failing to address the ticking time bomb facing our health and care workforce, Kluge says. You knew this was going to happen. COVID-19 was just a warm-up. In this story that we, we talked about just a little bit ago, it was mentioned in that Breitbart News story that there are a lot of people a lot of people in politics, they believe in population control. What better way to do it and do it kind of behind the scenes without anybody knowing for sure it's happening than to off a few people, a few million people every year with a medicine? You think that might be happening? I would be shocked if it wasn't happening. Now, in that story we did, the one that's published today at truthnewsnet.org, we talked about this. Joe Biden being bold out there, he got popped dramatically by the U.S. Supreme Court in his first go-around at canceling student debt. He's doing it again right now as we speak. He vowed that he won't back down from the Supreme Court. And despite a Supreme Court smackdown announced he will cancel the loan debt of millions of American students starting next month. In August, he launched the Saving on a Valuable Education Plan 
touted by the White House as the most affordable repayment plan ever. According to a Friday statement from Joe, already 6.9 million borrowers are enrolled in the plan, and 3.9 million have a $0 monthly payment. I'm proud that my administration is implementing one of the most impactful provisions of the SAVE plan, nearly six months ahead of schedule, he said. Starting next month, borrowers enrolled in the SAVE who took out less than 12000 in loans and have been in repayment for 10 years will get their remaining student debt canceled immediately. He said this action will particularly help community college borrowers, low-income borrowers, and those struggling to repay their loans. And it's part of our ongoing efforts to act as quickly as possible to give more borrowers breathing room so they can get out from under the burden of student loan debt, move on with their lives, and pursue their dreams. I encourage every borrower who may be eligible for early debt cancellation to sign up for the SAVE plan at studentaid.gov. Officials didn't announce the exact number of people who will be impacted by this cancellation effort or the dollar amount that will be forgiven. That's interesting, is it? They want to brag about what they're doing, but they want to hide about what's really involved and who and how much it cost us. Borrowers with undergraduate loans will have their payments reduced from 10 to 5% of their discretionary income. Those who have undergraduate and graduate loans will pay a weighted average between 5 and 10% of their income based upon the original principal balances of their loans. You listen to all of the little bitty things that have to be done. Those people that don't have money now, they may have to probably will have to go hire a CPA so they can understand and do what's necessary and where they fall in in the queue about who and how much their loan debt is either reduced or eliminated. The White House detailed the early forgiveness portion of the plan back in August. Here we go again. Income-driven repayment plans require all borrowers, even those who only attended school for a single term, to repay their loans for at least 20 to 25 years before receiving forgiveness of any outstanding balance. Under our SAVE plan, borrowers whose original principal balances were 12000 or less will receive forgiveness after 120 payments. That's like uh, 10 years in repayment. For each additional 1000 borrowed above that level, the plan adds an additional 12 payments. That's equivalent of one year of payments for up to a maximum of 20 or 25 years. They even give an example. For example, if a borrower's original principal balance is 14000 they will see forgiveness after 12 years. Payments made previously, that would be before 2024, and those made going forward will count toward these maximum forgiveness timeframes. Today's announcement builds on all we've been able to achieve for students and student loan borrowers in the past few years. That's what Biden said Friday. This includes fixing the public service 
loan forgiveness program so that borrowers who go into public service get the debt relief they're entitled to under law, achieving the largest increases in Pell Grants in over a decade to help families who earn less than roughly 60 grand a year and holding colleges accountable for leaving students with unaffordable debts. And in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision on our student debt relief plan, we're continuing to pursue an alternative path to deliver student debt relief to as many borrowers as possible, as quickly as possible, he promised. I won't back down from using every tool at our disposal to get student loan borrowers the relief they need to reach their dreams. It's all about money, isn't it? Oh, it's not about anybody else's money. It's about your money and my money. So isn't it easy to spend somebody else's money? (laughs) That's exactly what's going on, and you and I get set. We're going to pay for it. Well, it's about time for Steve-O. I'm going to call him live. Steve Baker. Mr. Dan Newman. You, sir, are live at TNN Live. Hello there. (laughs) Hello. How are you today? I know you don't like me to call you cold. You, you know, I'm supposed to go to a commercial or something, but some one of these days I'm going to catch you saying or doing something yeah. embarrassing live. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, if, if you had called 30 seconds earlier, you would have. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it, I would have loved to have caught you. <laughs> well, buddy, how are you doing? And what part of the world are we in today? I am in the uh, frozen tundra of Mercury One Studio, so otherwise known as the Blaze TV complex here in uh, Irving, uh, Texas. And the reason why I say frozen tundra is that it's colder inside, I think, than it is outside. It's always cold here because they have to keep the temperatures low because of the, you know, gazillions of dollars of um, cameras and lighting and uh, all of the computers and everything that it, it takes to run this facility with all the sound stages and radio um, uh, studios and things of that nature. So they keep it cold here and here anyway, but when it gets down to 15 degrees, then it really becomes difficult to heat this massive <laughs> complex. I'm actually, I'm actually looking at the thermostat here in the executive suite right now. And it's, 50 degrees inside, right where I'm standing at the moment. Well, <laughs> hey, listen, don't gripe about any of that. You're making <laughs> you're making the big bucks now, so <laughs> yeah, well. you, you just got to live with the little things, you know. Yeah, I wish I wish that first part of that statement was correct. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. there are so many moving parts in our world today, and you and I could, and we we like speaking to each other and digging into each other's brains. I think it's because yeah. we're very like minded. But I don't want to spend a lot of time. But I got to get your thoughts on last night's Iowa caucuses and what you think that is going to do moving forward for all the players in this thing. Well, wow. I mean, that's uh, uh, you. you uh, and we should say that you gave me no prep talk uh, 
<laughs> no show notes for this one. So I like I'm to gonna, I like to, I like to hear you coming off of the top of your head because I know you're 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 going to just tell us what you think because you hadn't had time to create a narrative. Just yeah. just give yeah, us the no, facts. Well, I do not have time to create a narrative here. I, I will tell you this: that I um, uh, am a little bit surprised, if you want to know the truth, that. Trump came out so strong. I mean, a 29-point victory is was you know not unexpected, but I did not anticipate that he would get over 50%. And and here's why: there was a very depressed turnout for obvious reasons up there. I mean, it was brutally cold. The weather was just miserable. People just can't get out and that kind of thing. Particularly older um, voters because of you know health reasons and such as that. And and of all of the candidates' demographics, Trump has the oldest demographic of all of those, uh, much more so than DeSantis or um, Nikki Haley or uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. And so I, I kind of expected I – didn't, I didn't not expect that he would win, but I didn't expect that he would um, come out as, with the higher – as high of a percentage that he did – given that circumstance that maybe more of his voters might not be able to make it to the caucus. But the uh, reality is, is that uh, his support remains strong. It's out there. Uh, love him or hate him. Um, doesn't matter who your guy or gal is in this primary fight. Um, he really, uh, or I should say not him because he has not been aggressively campaigning as much as the other candidates have been, but his voters threw down the gauntlet last night and said, we're still behind him and we're going to see this thing through. And I think that if he carries that momentum through New Hampshire and then into South Carolina, it's pretty much turn out the light. The party's over uh, for the, the other candidates, uh, obviously, but they, uh, he surrendered quickly, but you know, I don't, I never, I never thought he was a serious candidate anyway. I always felt like that he was uh, making his, national presence known for other reasons, uh, whether that be a VP pick or a cabinet position or something of that nature. Uh, but uh, I never I never took him as a serious presidential candidate. A couple of things I want to, I, I just want to weigh in with. I, from the very beginning of this, you notice Vivek never said one negative word about Donald Trump. He was constantly asked questions by the media because, you know, he is a, uh, a strong young guy, very educated, very <laughs> successful, and he appears to be somebody that down the road would be a good national politician. And I think, I think his last night withdrawing from the race and in the same conversation, he threw all of his support to President Trump. I think kind of he was running and now is running to be a vice president in Donald Trump's campaign. I really feel that. Well, you know, I think Trump has been on the record as saying that he is going to pick a female. I don't think that Vivek qualifies for that particular DEI designation. Be careful. Uh, Be careful. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, I'm not going anywhere else beyond what I just said, but the, the point being is, is that, is that, I am less persuaded that he would serve the country well as a VP, but more so as a radical 
um, house uh, cleaner and, and a major cabinet position, even maybe chief of staff where he could be used to go in and be the hatchet man because he is a successful businessman like Trump is. And he's also got the, um, well, at least he's, at least he's on the record as saying that he wants to slash government in the same way that Elon slashed, uh, the staffing at, uh, at, at Twitter or X now. And, and as, as we know, when Elon came in, he proved the 80, you know, the, the old 80, 20, uh, rule yeah. that you have, you know, 20, 20% of the people in your company or your business or your group or your association or your church or whatever are doing, you know, 80% of the work. And, and, uh, Elon was able to prove that because he went in there and eliminated the staffing by 75 to 80%, got rid of them. And, and the, uh, the platform formerly known as Twitter has larger viewership and more traffic today than it ever had. And so it, it is easy to take that and correlate that to the, to the bloated nature of the federal government. We have 22, 23 million federal employees right now, Dan. And there is absolutely, I mean, it is, it is irrefutable. You talk to any successful uh, CEO out there, Anybody who has done the uh, analysis of what's going on in the um, uh, redundancy of the departments, the 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 waste, the fraud, the the as I said, the, the primarily the redundancy of what's going on, there is absolutely no reason why the federal government itself could not be slashed by seventy five percent. Just I'm just talking about personnel. We take out that many salaries, you're saving billions and billions of dollars a year. But we're also talking about the redundancy of so many agencies. It's just unnecessary. And, and, I, and, and we're not even talking about waste and fraud yet, which is a whole other story and, yeah. and something that I've written about for years. And, and, and I think that I like this is what this is what I liked about the um, If if he can be trusted, if he is who he says he is, if he's if he's the, if his words are true. And it's not a smokescreen of some sort just to get attention. But if what he has campaigned on is true, I think he would be a very, very successful cabinet member uh, or a very successful chief of staff. Well, there's one thing, one one last thing I want to mention before we move on from uh, the Iowa caucuses. There are 99 counties in Iowa, 99. There's a bunch of them, little obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, of those counties, Trump won 98. And the 99th county, he lost that county by one vote. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's, that, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty unbelievable that it happened. So I don't know if that pretends what we're going to see in uh, um, New Hampshire and going forward in other places. But there are a lot of Americans out there whose eyes have been opened in the last four years and are finding out that a lot of stuff that was sold to them was bad. And then they watch mm-hmm. what they watch what the bureaucratic state is doing now moving forward. Not so much the elected estate, but the bureaucrats who are there are getting their marching orders from people that want to do anything and everything necessary 
to make sure Donald Trump doesn't get elected president this year. Right. And right. I, I, uh, I released a story this morning. It was actually part of it came out from uh, Breitbart News. They, being the anti-Republicans, uh, anti-Donald Trumpers, it has been released. They have a formal plan. I don't. You may already know this, but a formal plan to keep Trump out of office, and then if they can't do that and he gets elected, to take him down, not out, but to take him down <laughs> and use yeah. what they're calling or the news media that know this now, are calling a military coup against Donald Trump. They're not even trying anymore to hide all of this. That's their plans. They're just spitting it out there and saying, y'all go to town with this. I was shocked that they're that bold. But what always happens, and we've talked about this, Steve, what always happens when they, the the left, the far left, the big bad guys, when they get emboldened, they just go nuts. And everything they end up doing to keep Trump out of office, get him out of office, at least in our rearview mirror, everything they threaten that Trump is going to do, they end up using those same things against Trump, and he never does. They're scared to death of Donald Trump being president. Yeah, it, I mean, it's the old projection because you're exactly right. I mean, they're they're accusing him of being a dictator. They're produce, accusing him of projecting and saying and announcing to the world that he's going to be the dictator that everybody has feared, that he's going to end their sacred and precious democracy. And he's going to uh, imprison all of the uh, the mainstream journalists, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is, which is again... Uh, it is the ultimate form of projection because that's exactly what they're doing. That's exactly what they want to do. That's exactly what they're doing to people old like me. Uh, and, and so I, I, I take this very personally. On the other hand, let's talk about a, another aspect of this uh, idea that they will perform a coup of some sort is that I will tell you, and this is, this is not good news by any means. And I, I always hate to be the uh, person that brings this kind of information, but my, my sourcing tells me that there are very significant figures in Congress right now who feel like they could potentially lose the House majority as early as the middle of this year. Um, and we're talking about the GOP losing the House majority. Right. There's a real fear of that happening. Well, you only and have you only they, have a two, you only have a two vote advantage yeah. right now. Oh, oh yeah, it's 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 razor thin as it is, and it doesn't take much in the way of looking at some of the, the you know the, the the health factors. All you need to do is have another guy resign and another guy die in office, or have to leave for health related reasons, and the thing could flip quickly. But, and not to mention that there's probably not some maneuvering is going on behind the scenes to ensure that that happens. I hope everybody has a taste tester or poison, uh, you know, tester at their meals right now. <laughs> but, but the, the, um, the reality is, is that going into 
November of this year, it's hard to say November of this year, hard to believe that this is already upon us. But when you go into November of this year and then you look at an inauguration of the next president, be it uh, another Biden term or um, Trump wins, but they're saying that if Trump wins and the Democrats can secure the House, that they, it, it would be just a matter of days because they would hold the Senate, hold the House a matter of days before they uh, take him out. And they'll just take him out by the impeachment process. They, yeah. won't need to, uh, they won't need a military coup. But, I mean, if it's like they'll inaugurate him on the 20th and the 21st, they'll launch impeachment uh, proceedings in the House. And uh, a week, they'll get a quick vote on that. A week later, they'll do the trial in the Senate, and he's gone. And that, I mean, that's literally what they're talking about. I mean, these are, the kind, these are the kind of discussions that are taking taking place there in Washington, and and that's as you said, this is just to validate your assertion of how scared they are of him. And you know, look, I, I've been on record with your audience. I'm I'm not a Trump guy. I'm not a Trump guy now. Never have been. And I, if I, if 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 he's, uh, if there are other people still in the primary by the time the primaries get to my state, I probably won't vote for him. Unless, well, let me rephrase that. If it's if it's only him and Nikki Haley, I'll vote for Trump. But that's another that's another discussion altogether. But I I he's not my first choice by a long shot. But is he infinitely better than anything that the Democrats are going to offer up to the country in this election cycle? Absolutely. I mean, there's just no way of getting around that. And he's certainly not the demagogue or the um, uh, the coming totalitarian uh, dictator that they're, I mean, they're just wringing their hands over this, I, I, but that's what they're trying to do. And I mean, the, the, the MSM right now is in lockstep on this narrative. You and I have talked about it many times before. They got their marching orders. They've got their morning email address. They've got their weekly conference call, whatever the case may be. But they are in lockstep on this narrative that the coming uh, of the second coming of Trump will be the end of the democracy and it will be an authoritarian authoritarian. Um, dictatorship, and there will never be another vote. Uh, there will no, be no more voting in the United States, and all of that's just ridiculous. Because I, I'm going to tell you something right now. I will, I will throw everything, every ounce of credibility that I have into this statement right here. Is that the vast majority of Trump's most ardent supporters, if Trump tried to pull something even resembling? the end of elections or a dictatorship or locking up journalists, his voters, because we are, or they are mostly constitutional, constitutionalists. They believe in the founding of this country. They believe in the constitutional principles of this country. They believe in the bill of rights. They will turn on him in a heartbeat. They will, his voters will not allow that to happen. They are locked in in most cases because he campaigned initially for the 2016 presidency and he made that point over and over and over to them. Now, in our past, mine and yours, we've seen lots of conservatives running for president that when the few of them that have been elected, when they get elected, 
uh, they don't govern like they said they were going to. And in his four years, he went right down the line, did exactly what he said he was going to do. And Americans see that now. That's why already we saw just a peekaboo last night in Iowa, conservative Americans, they know he said and he promised many things, like every yeah. everybody that runs for a national office. They do that. But then when they're elected, they kind of change a little bit on a lot of areas. And we know that's mm-hmm. the money thing. They've got people out there that donate. And when somebody donates to a campaign at any level, local, state, or federal, there's going to be a time when the telephone's going to ring and that big contributor says, hey, I need a favor. They got to they gotta answer that call and they've got to probably... Uh, do some things there, quid pro quo stuff. Trump never showed any of that. He still today has got the credibility of that, if no other credibility. He did what he said he was right. going to do. So let, okay. let's let's change this narrative just for a little bit, the last part of this segment. Let's talk about what is going on now behind the scenes, and I know there's still much going on, but dominating the news is these elections and the latest crazy stuff happening in the Israeli Hamas thing. Um, What's going on in the aftermath of the January 6th stuff that we're not hearing about now? I know there's a bunch. Well, yesterday we finally released our um, video compilation and the video evidence of these Capitol Police officers' uh, trial testimonies perjuries in those trial testimonies and that hit with like a like a uh, nuclear bomb uh, yesterday and it came right on the heels of the uh, chief of the Capitol Police not publicly announcing it but from sources behind the scenes saying that he had no intention to investigate the Capitol Police special agent David Lazarus the um, uh, dignitary protection detail ahead for Nancy Pelosi when she was Speaker of the House and when he actually engaged in this particular, uh, how, how can we say it, when he when he was supposedly in the same location with Officer Harry Dunn uh, when he had his, his encounter there in the Capitol with the Oath Keepers, and of course Lazarus said that he witnessed that encounter three or four times and it just didn't happen because Lazarus was in another building. And I don't think, Dan, that they, of course, ever thought that somebody would get their hands on that videotape. They never thought that somebody like me would be given access to Capitol CCTV, more more specifically, given access to cameras that were considered highly sensitive down in the tunnels of like where the escape routes are for the senators and the House of Representatives of members that were being evacuated out of the Capitol that day. And as a result of my access and being granted that privilege to see these videos, I was able to identify and prove without any shadow of a doubt that Special Agent Lazarus was not where he claimed to be. He could not have been because he was in another building at the time of the beginning of that encounter between the Oath Keepers and Officer Harry Dunn. But obviously the more important question is, and I'm really, really encouraged by this on the, uh, you know, on all of the social media sites right now in the comments is the, the 
the people commenting are asking the right question, and that is who put them up to this? And that is the right question. So obviously we're going to be over the course of time, we're going to be showing uh, some very specific uh, trails of evidence that lead to who we believe put them up to that. Being affiliated now permanently with the blaze network, it's got to make things as you put all this together and release it to the public. It's got to be a lot easier now that you've got those kind of resources at your ready access. Oh, Dan, I, I, look, if I, if I say that I'm blessed beyond description and that I'm excited beyond words, that is in itself a massive understatement because when I began working on these stories, and this was now well over a year ago, we're talking about 15 months ago when I began working on the Lazarus story itself, I had no idea, no um, clue how I would roll this out to the world with my limited reach that I had at the time. You know, I had tens of thousands of followers on social media, and I had my blog, and I had my burgeoning uh podcasts, that sort of thing. And I figured somebody, some news agency somewhere would get wind of that and, and want to help amplify that. But I had no idea that Blaze was going to come to the table and bring their resources to it. And I, I would encourage everyone, just as soon as your show is over today, go, uh, they can go right to, um, either they can look it up on YouTube. It's part three of our story about the truth of January 6th uh, on Blaze. You can just type in on YouTube, Blaze TV, um, uh, David Lazarus, or you can go to my uh, X or Twitter page, and it's right at the top of my feed. You can watch it right there, uh, and that, of course, is at TPC for USA, at TPC, the number four USA. I encourage everybody to go watch that. It's only eight and a half minutes long. And it just tells the story in a just a great production from the staff, the video guys here uh, in this, these studios that I'm standing in right now. That they the way they put this together with the timestamps and the maps, and you're able to not only not only am I am I narrating the, the the story, but you can see the visuals of how these testimonies could not have been true, and it, it's a it's a powerful piece. It's already had, since we released it yesterday morning, millions of views, and uh, it is impacting on Capitol Hill right now. And they're, they're, <laughs> they, were, they were very happy three months ago when we told the written version of this story that it was not getting traction. But you recall that on the evening of the release of this story, the night before we were releasing this story, we were, we were literally forbidden to release the, the videos. We had them. Yeah. We weren't allowed to release them because Speaker McCarthy had gotten unseated that day. I got a panic call from the committee in charge and said, you can't release the videos. As soon as he got unseated, we lost our permission to give you permission to release it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're, you're kidding me. So my editors decided to go forward with the written version of the story, and we did. And we were able to use one single – we got permission to use a single screenshot from one of the videos in our written story. And then three days later, Hamas, the terrorist, uh, invaded uh, and attacked Israel. And, of course, then the news cycle was just – that was it. It was all about uh, the, the change in speakership and the Hamas-Israeli uh, situation – 
and our story just got buried in, in those two big events. And so we were able to capture an internal email from the Capitol Police leadership actually talking about me and my story in which they said that they were um, watching, but they were you know, rather gratified that it was not getting much traction. Well, they can't say that after tomorrow or after <laughs> yesterday. Uh, it's out there. Everybody can see yeah. it. So I'm glad you gave us yeah. uh, gave us where to go to see that. Um, final final question today: mm-hmm. What kind of interactions? And I know you may not be able to share some of this, but I know that you're in constant contact with uh, the workers and shakers in numerous mm-hmm. members of Congress's offices. Is there still a lot of stuff going on, investigations talking about moving forward on the J-6 operation and the people that are still under the gun about they're in litigation with the FBI, with the DOJ, or they're scaring a bunch of additional people claiming they're coming after them? Well, I can tell you this right now. And this is confirmed. I uh, even Fox News ran a story about it uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, Barry Loudermilk, uh, Representative Barry Loudermilk, who is the chairman of the Oversight Subcommittee to the House Administration, he confirmed that Speaker Johnson has allowed him the budget and the increase in staff. He's tripled the staffing numbers of uh, aides and House staffers for that committee to. Um, do these investigations into January 6th. So that's very gratifying news on our, on our side. It's very gratifying to me considering how much time I've spent with Loudermilk and his staff in particular, because they do have the oversight over the Capitol police and some of these investigations that, that I've specifically been working on. And to be honest, to be honest with you, it's, it's highly gratifying because a lot of that increase in staffing and the increased attention, even from the speaker's office, is a direct result of the fact that we have been able to validate uh, through our own investigations here at the Blaze, my investigations, that the access to information is working. If they give us the resources, they give us the access to these videos and to other uh, I just, I'll just say other resources for now without being specific about it, then we can find and we can then reveal the truth about what really happened that day. It's interesting to me, really interesting to me. People don't know this, but the first time that you got a chance to meet with just then Congressman Mike Johnson, he wasn't speaker yet. You met with mm-hmm. him and uh, one other member of Congress personally they were not very hot. They weren't really talking about and planning on continuing to dig like they have been. And I think as Mike Johnson became speaker, the last time he was on this show on air, I pushed him hard about pushing forward on the January 6th investigations because there are so many Americans that have already been sucked into that and they've been prosecuted, and their lives have been changed forever, and there are many more that are sitting out there that are going to go down this road unless and until they get the facts. I encouraged him to open up the door, try to open it up, to open doors for you and the January 6th investigations to go forward. 
Kevin McCarthy, well, when he was speaker, yeah. he, he, he kind of closed the door on that. And uh, I'm glad you know, to know that M- Mike McCarthy, opened it back. Yeah, Mark McCarthy was allowing the access, because my initial access to all those videos was happening during uh, McCarthy's um, speakership. And so he was allowing that, but he would have also pulled back on his original promise of releasing all of that video to the public, which obviously we were very disappointed in. And now that uh, um, uh, Speaker Johnson is is overseeing the, the the release of this, it's not going as fast as we would like for it to happen. Um, I still I still uh, think that. They don't need to be blurring faces. That's a disagreement that I have with the speaker, and he and I have spoken about it, uh, as you know. And it's it's okay. I mean, we are moving forward, both behind the scenes and uh, more visibly uh, in in the public's eye. It is moving forward. It is sometimes it feels glacial in, in the speed of the advance, but it is happening. Thank goodness. Well, Steve. You're in that. You're in the middle of it all, and I know you've got daggers coming at you from a bunch of different sides. You're in our prayers constantly, <laughs> and anything you need, please let us know. We thank you so much for coming back here and uh, being with us every Tuesday that you can. Give our best to everybody, and don't forget, whenever you're headed back down I-20 going home, <laughs> you come right That's through right. Shreesville, and you know at the studios of TNN Live. About <laughs> twice a week, there's some really good cinnamon rolls. <laughs> homemade, I know, I homemade know. cinnamon rolls. You hadn't had one in a while. I know. It's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Be safe. Keep us posted. Thank, thanks, Dan. Talk thank, to you again soon. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you so much, Steve Baker. Wow. What a guy. He is uh, at the epicenter of it all. And isn't it cool that he shares all of this with us? This break, final break of the day, and much, much more. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto. 529-8342. 529-8342. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third Bathroom, A River Runs Through the Bathroom. For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. For over 75 years, people have saved money with... with Sorry. Here we go, from the top, and action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko, so... What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75 years. <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good. I'm good. <clears throat> For over 70. <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Geico. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. 
That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. You know, Eric Adams, the current mayor of the Big Apple, New York City, he promised so many things when he was campaigning. I mean, everybody in New York knew him. He was a, a big-time uh, officer, New York Police Department, just a, a really good guy. And when he was campaigning, he, he made a bunch of promises to a lot of people. Well, sadly, he's gone by the road that a lot of big-time campaigners find themselves on after they get into office. Either they can't get done some of the things, many of the things that they promised to voters during the campaign time, or they weren't really planning on doing it anyway. Eric Adams, if he's doing many things bad, which people in New York will tell you he is, he's taking care of himself. A federal probe there paid out in a big way for... Eric Adams, who managed to capitalize on an FBI raid. And we're talking about big money, six-figure money. Listen to this. As he continued dragging the Big Apple into the gutter, responding to overwhelming violent crime up there, an out-of-control illegal alien crisis, and he responded by cutting funding and shrinking the police force through attrition. And what that means, officers would leave and they wouldn't replace them. He's had no trouble raking in contributions. Quid pro quo? In fact, according to a report, he has raised $650,000 to cover legal bills ahead of any potential allegations. The Eric Adams Legal Defense Trust has drawn strong support in a short amount of time, raising more than $650,000 since it was formed just two months ago. That comes from Adam's campaign compliance attorney, Vito Pitta, (laughs) an attorney in New York named Vito. (laughs) That sounds a little uh, abnormal, doesn't it? The fund was established in the wake of the sudden raid of 25-year-old campaign consultant Brianna Suggs raided her home that month as part of what's called a broad public corruption investigation. Uh Uh-oh. The New York Times was the first to report this. In addition to a manila folder labeled Eric Adams... Investigators had taken two laptops, three iPhones, seven contribution card binders, and other items permitted by a search warrant. So as part of this investigation, the FBI was said to be looking into whether or not the Turkish government had illegally contributed to Adams' 2021 mayor's race, Turkey, ooh, (laughs) though no official accusations have been leveled against the mayor. Investigators sought to discern whether Brooklyn-based KSK Construction, that's a contractor found, uh, fun, founded by Turkish nationals, 
had been utilized to funnel some foreign cash into the campaign coffers for the former Brooklyn Borough President. On that same day, in May of 2021, KSK executives contributed over $13,000 to Mayor-to-be Adams. In his first remarks about the raid, Adams had said, I was notified by the team that something was taking place with the campaign staffer, and I want to be here to make sure we fully complied. I have one of the best compliance teams that any campaign has ever had. If anyone did anything inappropriate outside of our compliance procedures, law enforcement will determine that. This is Eric Adams speaking to a news anchor. This is new and evolving. I've not been contacted by any law enforcement agency, and no one has been told they did anything wrong. So, per city rules that were enacted related to legal bills accrued by former New York Mayor Bill de Blasio, who himself had faced a federal investigation over alleged pay-to-play politics when he was still mayor, that trust that was created allows individuals' clearance to donate up to $5,000 so long a person does not have current or potential business with the city. New York, New York prosecutors further detailed that Adams has retained an attorney with the firm, Wilmer Hale, as representation for the investigation and that his team will file its first fundraising report with the city's conflict of interest board on Tuesday, which will detail the uh, contribution, all of them, to his trust. Now, if you know anything about trust, they're usually for individuals, families, businesses that have multiple businesses within them, but whoever the founder is, whoever the manager of that trust is, can um, use assets of that trust as they feel is best for the principles in the trust. And sometimes, I know this would probably shock anybody, but sometimes things seem a little bit fishy in the way the assets of trust are being used, and there may be some consternation among the others or people on the outside looking in and wondering how that's being used. Well, right now, that trust has 650000 bucks in it, and uh, that trust is for Eric Adams. Not alleging anything, just saying, just saying. And a lawyer named Vito is involved in it, for Eric Adams, <laughs> you just can't you just can't blow through that in New York litigation. In the guy representing the guy that's being not accused yet, but being looked at closely that did something wrong. The lawyer's name is Vito. Have you, if you're a watcher of Fox News, have you noticed lately the Pillow guy? His ads were on I don't know two or three times an hour. Who could forget about him? Well, Fox News has stopped advertising my pillow, citing a payment dispute with my pillow CEO Mike Lindell, 
Fox News quietly canceled MyPillow advertising. So Lindell took to X, formerly Twitter, and called the move disturbing. We don't know why, the outspoken Trump supporter said in a video. We can only make a couple of guesses. Maybe it's because Lou Dobbs was added over here at Lindell TV, he suggested. Hmm. As previously reported in February of 21, Fox News abruptly canceled Dobbs' weekday program on Fox Business, Lou Dobbs Tonight. Dobbs was shown the door one day after the election systems company, Smartmatic, filed the pre-planned $2.7 billion lawsuit against Fox Corp that named Dobbs as one of several hosts, including Janine Pirro and Maria Bartiroma, who irreparably harmed its reputation by accusing it of committing election fraud. Dobbs' first interview on Lindell TV was with Donald Trump, whom Lindell referred to as our great real president. That's one, maybe. Or maybe it's because they don't even want my face on their network leading up to the 2024 election in support of our great real president, Donald Trump, Lindell speculated. I believe this is all about stopping me from talking about the election platforms and the elections, and getting rid of my voice. According to Fox Postwoman, the issue isn't his voice. It's Lindell's money, or lack thereof. As soon as their account is paid, we would be happy to accept their advertising, this spokesperson said to the Associated Press. In an interview with the Associated Press, Lindell acknowledged that my pillow owes money to Fox. He put the figure at $7.8 million. But he insisted that the sum is within his credit line with a network. He said, My pillow has long spent an average of a million dollars a week to run its ads on Fox. And he said the network had long allowed him 12 weeks of credit until recently cut that to eight weeks. On frankspeech.com, Lindell said he's been with Fox since MyPillow did its first infomercial back in November of 2011. We've run an average, I believe, about a million dollars a week in advertising with them. That's hundreds of millions of dollars. In November, Fox told the CEO it wanted to move his credit down from the normal 12 weeks extends to advertisers to eight weeks. I didn't like it, but I said okay. In December, he said... The agency he works with paid roughly $1.2 million a week to Fox. On Wednesday, I got notice from an ad agency that Fox is canceling us, and it was very disturbing. On X, Lindell's supporters have had it with Fox. Time to put a metaphorical pillow over the face of Fox and end their suffering and be done with them, wrote one user. The character, Fox News, blows. Fox News cuts ties with everyone who doesn't tow the establishment uniparty line. Gutfelt will be next. It's curious that was mentioned because I think and feel the same way. I like the Gutfelt show. I do. But they get into politics. It's a talk show. And you got to do that. 
everybody wants to know what's really going on behind the scenes and all the talk about politics. And of course, Fox News, their big money isn't in stand-up comics. No doubt about it, it's in politics. One user said this, I just bought one of your pillows last night. I don't care at all about your politics one way or the other. That pillow is amazing. Ah, but you know what? We never let politics get in the way of business. Unless, of course, you got so much business like Fox News had. I am not saying anything negative about Fox News. I'm not. Some things, just like anybody that does television and news, some things I agree with. Some people I agree most of the time with. Others I don't even listen to or pay attention to. And you can forget about them, but Fox News is always there. It comes as close as, in my opinion, we have as an option for real news on television. And I don't agree with every one of their people on the air all the time. I don't. That's okay, though. We're individuals. We're not walking around robots that were programmed to believe and say one thing and that's it. People can have opinions, but dadgummit, if if people will accept the fact sometimes something I believe on the same topic they may differ with and they're okay with me, we're still going to get along, but every once in a while you're going to say something that I disagree with, but that's okay. We're going to be fine, but if you want anybody to believe straight down the line everything you say or do, and if they differ on one little sentence or one little issue, they're not worthy of your relationship, y'all need to split up and go along, get away from each other. I can tell you this, your life is going to be miserable if you require that of everybody. You're going to live in a big house of people either just like you or a very empty house. Because everybody ain't going to agree with you, ever. Joe Biden now with his lowest approval rating ever and the lowest in 15 years of presidential polls. Just to give you some of the numbers, only 31% of women now approve of the job he's doing. He won 57% of women in 2020. My God, that kind of a fall is severe. Um, He has 41% support among college graduates. That's a 10-point dip. 21 points below his average with black people. 15 points below his average with Hispanic voters. Six points below his average with white people. We could keep going. These are, this is a hemorrhage. And I do wonder, you know, do you think any one of these Republicans would put an end to the Biden presidency? I know you want President Trump, but given these numbers- Do you think any Republican could take him out? Well, I do believe any Republican can take him out because he's awful. This is the worst president we've seen in the modern era. I call him the master of disaster for a reason because everything has gone wrong, Megan. I mean, everything. Pick an issue. It's been bad for the United States of America, but it's bigger than that. It's also the fact that he does not look like he's physically capable of doing this job. The White House has hid him from the American people for most of his presidency already. He doesn't talk to the press. And look, on Capitol Hill, we're having this argument about spending and what should we do to try to secure the border. My argument to Republican colleagues is, you wanna force an argument that makes Joe Biden go to the microphones because he cannot command the bully pulpit. 
So, of course, his numbers are going to stink with the American people because he's been a terrible president and he can't even make an argument for why the American people should support him. I think he's going to lose to Donald Trump. But to your question, I think he loses to any Republican. The problem for Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, and Vivek Ramaswamy is that Republican voters overwhelmingly want Donald Trump back in the White House. My God, the video of President Biden out of, I guess it's Emmaus, um, Pennsylvania from Friday. He was being introduced to employees of, I've heard that it's a bike shop. Look at this, look at this. The poor gentleman has to stop him from going forward. You can see he doesn't know. I mean, we've all seen this with our elderly relatives where you kind of need to manhandle them. I mean, they think he, they're telling us he can do five more years. Do you believe it? No, and nobody does. And I think especially when you look at what's happening, black voters, they see this thing. You have Charlemagne the God on the Breakfast Club basically saying to, to, to people on his show, he's too old and everybody knows it. And it's even not so much about his age because people try to throw the age in. That's not it. It's his mental capacity and acuity. You can't have a president look lost in a bike shop. What does that say to, to, to Xi Jinping or to Vladimir Putin? or to Rocket Man himself in North Korea, or to the mullahs in Iran. What does it say to our allies? This is terrible. And to watch my Democrat colleagues have to defend this, they know this the same thing that all Americans can see. Mm. On the black vote, he's doing uh, Joe Biden. They say it's a stark difference between uh, those who are over 50, 50 and up approve of Joe Biden, 65%. Those who are younger than 50, only giving him a 32% approval rating. That is not helpful in the Democratic Party where they really need black voters to come out overwhelmingly for them. What's going to happen to the Biden administration? Is there going to be an attempt for another four or the Democrats going to make a change somehow between now and the convention coming up this summer? We'll be there. You realize that we'll be there before we know it. Well, one last story. Congress's continuing resolution they have now was released on Sunday night. That carves out a rare exception for the Navy. Now listen to this. In this CR, House Speaker Johnson and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer unveiled, when they unveiled the full government funding extension days ahead of a Friday deadline to stop a possible shutdown, It includes some things called short-term funding bills. And so the Pentagon has warned that repeated short-term funding bills would delay programs needed to modernize our U.S. nuclear deterrent, including by building the second ballistic missile submarine now covered under the continuing resolution. Columbia submarines are needed to be at sea this decade to ensure our continued second strike capacity. That's Brent Sadler, Senior Research Fellow for Naval Warfare at the Heritage Foundation. The margins for error and delay are long gone, and these submarines are key to deterring foes like China and Russia. If it passes, the extra money devoted it to it in the continuing resolution could resolve issues with long lead time parts, components that take longer and often require an earlier commitment of funds. 
workforce investment, and industrial-based suppliers. Routine and predictable budgets are the smartest way to build submarines, but a CR that ensures procurement of long lead parts and keep-on-track supply chain recovery efforts is second best and key to the health of this strategically important program. Now, Congress has already extended the fiscal year 2023 funding into this year more than once. In November, the chambers passed a short-term package that permits the Navy an additional $621,270 million, I'm sorry, for the submarine program. I mean, fears it could fall behind schedule and create a gap in our nuclear deterrence. The bill funds the Department of Defense through February 2nd and would cover one of the planned 12 Columbia-class submarines. A previous CR authorized in September also contained an unusual exemption allowing the Navy to continue work on the program. Now, I don't know what you think, but I wanted you to know this is on the table out there. What's behind it? You know, when you hear these things, you're always um, wondering, what's really going on? Who's involved in this? And what's going to happen? I'm a believer in our strong defense and making sure the necessary elements that our military has across the board, top to bottom, not just to keep us safe, but to keep us on our toes about potential threats and actions by our political foes that we don't want to turn into military foes. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, guys, thank you so much for today. It's good to hear from Steve Baker. He'll be back every Tuesday. You guys have a great Tuesday, and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one.